0: I remember being away from home, without my parents for the first time. It was a week-long trip to Pendine, through school, and it promised to be an assortment of amazing experiences, experiences like abseiling, archery, endless hours of kicking a football around a pitch and so on. Like a lot of the children there, I felt unsettled as soon as we arrived. My stomach felt tight, I had no appetite. And everyone was speaking in a language that I'd never really learnt, Welsh. For the first few hours, at least, all I wanted to do was get back home. Now, being away from home is one of the big, overarching themes of the scriptures. Almost every character and every story involves it in some way, shape or form. Usually we refer to it as exile. Often when we think of exile, we think of punishment and of judgment. And for sure, that can be part of it. As in the big E exile, capital E, of Israel during the Babylonian captivity. Or in the opening chapters of Genesis, the original exile. As a result of the fall, there's banishment from the garden. Exile is often tied very tightly to the passing of judgment on humanity's sinfulness. But even in those instances, reducing the entire experience of exile, of being away from home, reducing it purely into terms of punishment is far too simplistic. If we do that, then we miss the biggest picture of what God is doing in our world and in our lives. In all the stories of exile, of which there are many, I assure you, there is a far more foundational element that binds them all together. You see, sometimes those elements of judgment, those elements of punishment, seem to be absent. But what is universally present in those stories, in those experiences, is God achieving his purposes by sending his people away from home. A chief example of this, which will serve to to help um, enlarge our understanding of the exile, is the story of Joseph. In Egypt, here is a man who truly is away from home. He's away from not just his place, but his people as well. And no matter how you try to spin it, his experience cannot be categorised as a punishment. He's an innocent man. And yet when all is said and done, he utters this wonderful verdict about his own exile. You, dear brothers, intended all this to harm me. But God intended it for good, to accomplish what is now being done for the saving of many lives. Of course, the exile of the nation certainly was as a result of God's judgment. Judgment over centuries of rebellion against him and the covenant that existed between him and his people. Yet when we reduce it down wholly to to an experience of disciplining, We miss the wonderful mission which God is accomplishing through it. The mission of increasing his glory and his fame even to the ends of the earth. In the book of Daniel, we read some of the greatest declarations of God's rule and God's reign and majesty found anywhere in the scriptures. And what's amazing is that those declarations come from the mouths of two of Babylon's kings. In chapter 4 of the book of Daniel, we read this, King Nebuchadnezzar, To the nations and peoples of every language who live in all the earth, may you prosper greatly. It is my pleasure to tell you about the miraculous signs and wonders that the Most High God has performed for me. How great are his signs, how mighty his wonders. His kingdom is an eternal kingdom and his dominion endures from generation to generation. While the nation of Israel had failed miserably in the task of being a light to the nations, here during their exile, during their experience of being away from home, God at last is accomplishing that very thing. You see how much more than just judgment it was? And again, as if to prove the point, later in chapter 6 we read... King Darius writing to all the nations and peoples of every language in all the earth. May you prosper greatly, he wrote. I issue a decree that in every part of my kingdom, people must fear and revere the God of Daniel. For he is a living God and he endures forever. His kingdom will not be destroyed. His dominion will never end. He rescues and he saves. He performs signs and wonders in the heavens and on the earth. I find these pronouncements utterly breathtaking. That while realizing his reproof on the wayward people, God was still achieving his great purpose. The truth about God was through the sending away of his people, now reaching to all nations, to all peoples, to all languages on the planet. That's incredible. And it's precisely this fuller notion of exile that we should have in mind when we consider the events of Easter. For Easter truly is the greatest exile of them all. First, we've got to think about Christ's incarnation, his coming to earth, his taking on flesh. It's an exile for sure. The old Christian hymn found in Philippians 2 speaks about it. Paul, as he encourages the Corinthian church towards gospel generosity in 2 Corinthians chapter 8, he hinges his argument on it. But perhaps, perhaps the most fully formed understanding of this is in John's gospel and his opening gambit. In the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God. In him was life, and that life was the light of all mankind. The true light that gives light to everyone was coming into the world. He was in the world, and though the world was made through him, the world did not recognise him. He came to that which was his own, but his own did not receive him. You see, the word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only Son who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. See, John's speaking about Jesus, the Eternal, the one and only Son who moved away from his home in heaven and exiled himself here on earth. Not as a punishment, no, but with a purpose. In his own words, he described the objective as his exile like this. For the Son of Man came to seek and to save the lost. Luke 19 verse 10. You see, since that very first exile in Genesis chapter 3, a judgment for sure, which was received as its punishment, banishment from God's presence, banishment from the garden. Humanity has, ever since that point, remained away from home. On earth, it's where we're planned to be, but not shut out from God's presence, not shut out from his present glory. Our exile. Humanity's exile, my exile and your exile came as a result of our rejecting God, our rebellion against him, our erasing him from history or at least trying to do that. And it's meant that we're always away from the family home, away from where we're supposed to be, away from our heavenly father. And so Christ says he left the garden himself in order to bring us to gather those long-scattered and to re-establish us once more at home. Today, as I record this message, it's Good Friday, and it marks the culmination of the Messiah's exile. It marks his cross and his death. And if you're going to plot a journey or you're tracking the distance via GPS device, this would be the furthest point Jesus went from home. And it's at this furthest point that we find Good news in abundance. Today I just want to highlight two pieces of utterly good news from Good Friday and Jesus' own exile. And the first, which will absolutely knock our socks off, is this. That at this far point in Christ's journey, his furthest distance travelled from glory into grime, at precisely this point... God was accomplishing his greatest purpose. At the cross, bearing the weight of our rebellion, which led to our separation, Jesus was in his exile undoing ours. At the cross, all of our unbelief, all of our ignorance, all of our injustices, all of our hatred, they're all on display. All that which sent us out of the garden is now gathered together in one vile act. He, who at home, enjoyed the ceaseless praise and adoration of a heavenly host, now is subjected to the vile mocking and slander of criminals and hypocrites. The one who was, or is, the light of life, is surrounded in darkness and is dying. The one whose role it is to judge is now facing judgment on our behalf. Three times Jesus is challenged on the cross. If you're strong enough, if you're powerful enough, save yourself. But he didn't. And that beggars belief. Why? Why didn't Jesus save himself if he could? Because because most deliberately jesus is exercising all his might and all his power and all his authority to this glorious purpose jesus was signing the papers securing our return in his own blood romans chapter 5 verse 12 while we were god's enemies we were reconciled to him through the death of the son see this is the first and foremost good news of good friday That this, Christ dying on the cross, was the final leg on his journey to undo all that was wrong. The Son, leaving his glory, entering into our world, enduring our exile in our place, was doing so so that once more there could be a way for us to become citizens in his kingdom. No longer shut out from the garden, no longer banished from the blessing of God's glorious presence, but re-adopted into his own family. Welcomed not just as privileged guests, but as entitled heirs. Now there's no other way back. There's no secret tunnel, there's no side entrance, only through Jesus. And do you want to know how I know that? Just look at the lengths that he went to. The events of Good Friday aren't way, when another viable route exists. If you want to be home, if we want to be free from judgment, if we want to be one with the Father, if we want to know true and eternal life, it is only through Jesus that we will reach our destination. Which leaves us in a slightly odd place. Because if Jesus has undone our exile on the cross, Why is it that we still find ourselves in another place? Why is it that we still find ourselves in a different sense, far from home? Having our citizenship now where Christ is, what's happening now where we are? Well, here's good news number two. Good news number two is that now that we find ourselves in exile, it's no longer because of judgment, but it is with a purpose. Because of the cross of Christ, we will often have that nagging sense in this life of being away from home. We will often find the sky turning black in our lives as troubles and sorrows surround us. But we can take courage. We have reason to reject those questions and those doubts, that struggles that so often pop up and produce in us. We like Jesus, who experienced that darkness at the height of his exile, have good reason to entrust ourselves to our loving Father in heaven, knowing that if we are now away from home, it is because that he is in us and through us achieving a great purpose. After all, we have recognised, haven't we, that God accomplishes magnificent things when he purposefully places his people away from home that's so evident in the exile of Jesus and in those older exiles of Joseph Joseph and of Israel that I've already mentioned God was achieving some great purpose in those exiles so we can and we should rightly surmise that God must be up to something in us and through us as we sojourn in this broken place how exciting is that That if, as beloved children, we still experience life as exiles, then we can have only certainty that God is up to something. God is achieving something wonderful. And look, I know I said it was just two pieces of good news, but I can't resist, as we close, to offer you a third and final piece. We know what happened after Jesus' great exile, after achieving that which he set out to achieve. Having suffered and died, Jesus rose to life again and Jesus returned to glory. So it will be with us. We know that on the other side of this purpose-fulfilling life away from home, we will at last find ourselves residing before him as we should. I hope you can see... When you consider the theme of exile, the theme of being away from home, why Good Friday is so, so good. God bless.